So we did our live show last night. It did. It was fun. We Ooh. met we met fans. We met actual goddamn fans. People that went out of their way in terms of using their time and more importantly their money to come and see us. Mm-hmm. And they thank did. you. Yeah, thank you. You mad men and women. Uh but yeah, yeah, the show is great. We we fought, we had our big fight. Had the fight. You'll have to wait for the episode to actually come out. Yeah. To to hear who won, but we had our big fight. Um and what was the other thing, Steve, that were that was gonna happen? I did a flip. Yeah. Um, someone actually got footage of the flip happening. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just play a little thing. Oh, yeah, no, we're, we're, um, we're here at the one on politics live show. Steve's lined up to get flip. Fucking hell, he's actually going to go for it. I'm not going to do it. No way. Oh, oh shit. No way. <laughs> he, oh, he's actually going to. Oh, my. He's in a fucking double one. Oh, my. Oh, he's in two flips. He's in two fucking flips. Holy shit. <laughs> so yeah you did two flips I did two flips that was yeah. I didn't know you had it in no, you know it's like John Belushi rotund but still very flippable yeah that's it like you, you, you had two pints in your hands and, <gasps> and didn't spill a drop <laughs> centrifugal force that's and what it is did you, were you impressed the way I actually drank one of the pints before I landed on the ground yeah they were both full when you yeah. started you were just one big motion blur but then when you when you landed one of them was completely empty and, and you were just wiping your mouth Guinness mustache yeah it was amazing well, well, that was that. Re- you really stole the show with that with yeah. that flip. So, well done for that. Uh, yeah, so the live show went well. We're not going to put it in the feed just yet. We'll probably put up some point. Yeah, later on. We'll keep it in the can for a while. Yeah, just because we already put up a live show pretty recently yeah. and don't want to spam you guys with it. But it was good. It was fun. And you will see it at some point soon. See it. See it. Well, yeah. there is a video component to it. That's true. There's a little short film. We started with a short, short film, which I'll put up on YouTube or something so people can yeah, you'll see. You'll see that soon. Yeah, you'll see that soon. We had the wonderful Mark Little. What a champ. Little by name, not little by stature. Just An amazing, intelligent dude. It's just too, too intelligent for us, but... But yeah, hell of a good show. Um, I feel a little bit croaky. I'm starting to fade now. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, we recorded one. We recorded one podcast just to have in the can for the midterm elections, and I start, I was fine. I was full of pep when we started, but now I'm starting to fade and just get, <laughs> get croaky. I'm tired. I'm just gonna, just gonna lie uh, down here. So, so look, let's just okay. Um, let's do the news. Let's do the news. So we're recording this on Saturday morning, afternoon, whatever fucking time it is, mm. and we'll just let you know that by the time you hear it, the news is going to be old, especially in this instance because it looks like Brett Kavanaugh mm-hmm. is going to be approved by the Senate in right. a vote. So yesterday, the committee, the Judiciary Committee, approved him to go for approval, and now it pre-approval, like, approval, approval, and now it looks like they're going to fully prove him. Prove them. Okay. It looks like only one or two Republicans are going to vote against them. It looks like that the senator from Alaska is going to vote against him, whose name I didn't write down and can't find in this news article. So yeah. Let's make one up. Um, Fanula. Jumblebee. Lots of votes. Fanula, lots of votes. I prefer Jumblebee. <laughs> Fanula Jumblebee. The proud senator from the great state of Alaska. Fanula <laughs> no, Jumblebee. So Fanula Jumblebee, she voted against his, appro- his approval. And mm. she is likely to continue her voting against them again. And she will probably be the only Republican, maybe with Jeff Flake as well, voting against them. But he's on his way out, so it doesn't really matter. Right. And Fanula Fumblebee is also... Jumblebee. Jumblebee is also pretty known as being like a maverick and like likes voting against the Republicans when she wants to anyway. So, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he's going to go. He's going to be approved. And Does he... Is he- Immediately take effect. Immediately, yeah. Okay. And he's just in time for the new Supreme Court sitting, which is about to start soon. Big decisions. It is nuts because this process has been so fucked up. It has severely damaged American politics. He was doing news interviews. He wrote an opinion piece for the Wall Street Journal. And it was entirely 100% dirty politics in a thing that is meant to be non-political. Yeah. It just goes to show you how broken American politics is Mm. this last two weeks. Yeah. And also the fact that he's an absolute scumbag. It's <laughs> a fucking shitty cherry on top. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's not good. It looks like they're, they've got a solid majority of five for the conservatives on the Supreme Court now. Essentially, essentially forever. Okay. 
Sorry, we're recording in Steve's front room and there's someone outside who just sounds like has a stick and a <laughs> bin and it's just hitting one off the other. Uh, yeah, so that's one news. Richie, mm. you do the other news. I'll do another news. Uh, so last time I did a news story, it was on Brexit and Theresa May reacting to the suggestions from EU leadership about how they could handle Brexit and basically how none of them were acceptable for um, the Conservative Party. It turns out that the chance of UK and EU actually agreeing on a Brexit deal has apparently grown in the last few days, Yeah, according to Jean-Claude Juncker. This, they're saying that they're a little bit more optimistic now. They're saying that they're due to meet in like 11 days as of today, that they won't actually have any details then, but that they're heading in a, a more positive direction. They haven't said any specifics from what I can see, but I have a question for you. Like, is this just reactionary to what May has come out and said, like she came out with such vitriol against the last, you're nodding furiously. It's an audio medium. So. But um, <laughs> a lot of winks now as well. Oh my. oh my God, Steve, put your pants back on. <laughs> yes. So this is purely question. reactionary. Purely reactionary. Just to try and get control of the story. Ireland's um, tarnished the Deputy Prime Minister said an amazing thing during the week. He says, if only the Brexit negotiators could just lock themselves in a room for three weeks and shut the fuck up. Right, yeah. And they'll get the job done. Yeah, instead of ping ponging. Yeah, this posturing in the media, it's basically just, it's, it's they're playing politics with something that is obviously a political process, but mm. still, it's just, it's nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. This, 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 this oh, thing, just like we're no, close to a deal, blah, 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 but no. There's no concrete details. They yeah. literally said like the, the, the tangible issues like the Irish border stuff that like you could do with some actual clarity around for these kind of things to give context no information on it like there's no actual actionable change that they're mentioning so it's kind of, it's kind of sickening <laughs> to, to read a news story like this that's not news that's masquerading as news yeah that's um, been the entire Brexit process yeah. for this entire time yeah the, look it'll only matter whenever they come out with a piece of paper that says it's time to sign it now that's when we'll find out what the actual crunch time is mm. they'll be ready for the crunch mm. <sighs> um, it'll be interesting when all this is over to hear like a really in-depth PR analysis on this whole process. I just read so much of it is just like on like the branding of it and the public yeah. relations end of it. Yeah, something like you heard about that book Fear by Bob Woodward, yeah. who the the water the Watergate. You guy. told me about that. Yeah. yeah, he um he released a book recently about the Trump administration where he got deep background sources to tell him all the shit that's been going on for the first year. And if you could have someone to do that kind of a book about the Brexit process in two years' time when it's all over, mm. it would just be so fascinating to hear yeah. all the shit that's going on behind the scenes. Well, if we're still podcasting by that point... I'll read that if, book. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, no, we definitely will. Unless you kill yourself trying to do a triple flip. Whoa. That's the only thing that can stop the juggernaut that is What I'm Politics podcast. Is your flip ambition. Let's finish with a story that's not politics related at all, but is feckin' brilliant. Mm. Banksy sold a painting... A stencil of, you know, the one with the girl with the balloon in the heart? Yeah. He sold it for a million. A million? A million. A cool what? million. A million pounds. Uh, more to than who? Um, it's not said who it was sold to. It was in a little frame. And then immediately after it was sold, the frame lit up. <gasps> and then a shredder noise started. And then the, the picture went... <gasps> what? And got shredded into little what? pieces in front of everybody. And there's a photograph here of people just going, oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll add that to the show notes. That's amazing. And Banksy has up on his Instagram, going, going, gone with the picture gone. Amazing. It is brilliant. Oh, I've got another story that's not really politics or even news based. That's kind of news. At the show last night, you ended with a little surprise for me. And I think it's relevant to what we're going to segue into now. It's true. You, what did you get me? I got you Michael T. Higgins. Michael T. Higgins. T. Cozy. It's fucking adorable. I'm going to put a picture. Uh, actually, so we have an Instagram and um, we're going to get better now posting an Instagram. So by the time this episode is up, Michael T. Higgins will be on our Instagram. So check us out at Fall on Politics to get a look at it. It's the most adorable thing it is. It is I've so ever cute. seen. I've had him sitting in my kitchen for two weeks just looking at him like, I put, a, I put a picture of it up on my Instagram stories um, saying like Michael T. Higgins, T. Cozy, Michael T. Higgins. And Marcus, a Swedish friend, Message going, wow, what's a tea cozy? <laughs> <laughs> so apparently it's not like a, a well-known thing, at least not in Scandinavia. It seems. You would expect tea cozies to be more important in, cold yeah, in colder climate. regions. Yeah, you'd think that, but I guess, I guess well, maybe the technology hasn't made its way up there. Yet. <laughs> yeah, they didn't rape and pillage that when they came here. <laughs> Marcus the Viking, we're looking at you. We know why your visa was de de declined when you tried to come into Dublin. Don't pretend like you had something else to do. We know you weren't able to come here because you're on, you're on Ireland's most wanted Viking list. Yeah, big crusading head on him. Uh, but I bring it up because 
it fit, oh, I'm fading so fast. <laughs> because what, what's our episode about today, Steve? The president. About presidents and their, all election. their TCOs. The Irish presidential election. Which neither of us are going to be here to vote in. No. But you should definitely vote. You should definitely and vote. To, to tell us more about this election, we're going to talk to Hugh O'Connell, who is a political reporter with the Sunday Business Post. Mm-hmm. And he did an amazing job interviewing all the main candidates before, during the nomination process. Mm-hmm. So he knows all the stuff. Yeah. So, so we'll get the download from him. Now, we haven't recorded this yet. We're going to record this later on. So really hopefully. Hope, he, hope he's good. Hope he's good. I'm sure he will be. I'm sure. Fingers, hey, fingers yeah. crossed. Someone pays him to do this shit. So yeah, exactly. he's got that on us. <laughs> exactly. If you want more news, go to Newsy as well. Oh, yes. Do that. Other podcast. Other podcast. It'll be, that'll be in the show notes too. N-E-E-E-E-E-E-Q-W. I think, I, think, I think I have a vague memory of the first time you pitched Newsy as a name. I thought it was Nudesy at first. Because <laughs> we were, I think we were, we were drunk well, and talking about it. Now something. I know what my next podcast is going to be. <laughs> the Naked Truth. Nudesy. I'm going to make take advantage of having a microphone in my hand now to... Oh, that's his fly. <laughs> that was literally his fly. Okay, you put it back up. Oh, stop it. Ah! <laughs> Medic! So, first things first, you. Oh, it's a symphony. Oh, oh that sounds so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we haven't drank in so long. Are we allowed to drink in the studio? Um, We are well, now. Alan, we're, now. Alan, we're not drinking in the studio. <laughs> Alan's our boss. We're not drinking in the studio. It's Coke. Alan. It's Coke. It's all Coke. <laughs> Uh, we are here with Hugh. Hello, Hugh. Hello. Hey, Hugh. How are Hugh, you? Hugh O'Connell. <laughs> You're dressed very well, Hugh. Yeah, I am. And I apologise for that. It's not normally how I dress on a Saturday evening, but I have to go to a... Uh, you normally dress much better. I dress, yeah, <laughs> like, I dress much better. Uh, I've got to go to a dinner after this, so... Nice. Um, Just a normal dinner, I assume. Uh, it's actually the Fine Gael President's Dinner. It's an annual <laughs> fundraiser held by Fine Gael to boost the uh, party coffers, and they usually invite around 10 or 15 journalists to sit in a far corner of the room and not clap at any of the speeches. Do they, um, have they taken the Trump thing where they put like a steel barrier around no, you? No, not quite. Fake news, not quite. fake news, these guys, they're the enemy. Not quite, but <laughs> perhaps we're getting there. But um, <laughs> other part, Fianna Fáil do it as well, so theirs will probably be coming up in a couple of weeks, but um, Labour don't because they're so small. Uh, poor labour and uh, Sinn Féin don't because they uh, party the people they don't do those things yeah they operate a little differently to to the other political parties but um, look it's it's kind of an insidery bubble thing political bubble thing Uh, it's a chance to kind of mix with ministers and TDs about who who are a little I suppose uh, they let their guard down a little bit so they might give you a good story after a couple of points perhaps yeah or (laughs) or not even (laughs) <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe something else. <laughs> like no, let, let uh, their guard down is in like they might swear occasionally or let their guard down oh is in they're on stripper poles. Can we swear on this? Absolutely. We fucking um, no, uh, politicians swear as much as, as anyone else. More they so. swear more so, probably. Um, but uh, so, you know, they, they can. It, it can be an interesting night. It can also be an incredibly boring night. Um, I've been to, I've probably been to a dozen of these at these stages between the various parties. Mm. Um, some nights are good. Some nights aren't so good. Uh, some nights you'll be out till four in the morning. Some nights you'll be home by 11. Yeah. Well, here's hoping that it's one of the good nights and we're getting you off to a good start anyway. <laughs> uh, but confusingly, it's the presidential dinner, but it's not actually anything to do with the Irish presidency. Yeah, so... Well, uh, <laughs> it's the first assumption okay. I made out the window. <laughs> okay, I mean, we need to break this down. So these, um, uh, when you're uh, the leader of Fine Gael, you're actually also the president of Fine Gael. So uh, Leo Radker is the president of Fine Gael. So he is officially the host of tonight's dinner. So is that they his always, gaff and everyone's no, it's not, he's wearing see, an apron, kiss, <laughs> the, kiss the cook. <laughs> the funny thing about these dinners is they always take place in the same hotel, which is the Clayton, I think it's called the Clayton now. It used to be called the Burlington. It's the old Burlington yeah, Hotel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it used to be the Doubletree Hilton as well, I think. Rough history, uh, all these politicians keep on trashing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, 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 without fail, it's there every year, uh, either Fine Gael or Fianna Fáil. And if Labour have an event, they had something called the Rose Bowl or something a few years ago, or Rose Dinner. Which uh, which was also held there, so um, it's it's all right, you know. The food the food's not bad, and it's it's. it's what else okay. you be doing? 
You get a spice bag on the way home if it's no good anyway. Yeah, exactly. Or bring it on your way yeah. in and just eat that. Start <laughs> <laughs> throwing chips. Bring, speech. bring your whatever um, can you don't drink here and pick up a spice bag on your way in your. That's what Steve and I are going to be doing oh, yeah, tonight. Sure. <laughs> so we're here to talk about the Irish presidency, the office. Yeah, not the Finnegan. Ook on the heron. So yeah. for people that are not from Ireland, which is quite a lot of the people that yeah. listen to our show, how is the Irish president different to Donald Trump? Well, apart from and the office of the American president, not just that man in yeah. particular. <laughs> well, in in simple terms, I suppose it's it's they don't really have any executive power. They don't have power to uh, bring in new laws, to uh, you know roll out new policies and stuff like that, and affect change uh, on the way in which the country is run. It's more sort of a ceremonial office, um, but it's also a check and balance on the government. The president has a number of kind of powers. One of the main powers is they sign every piece of legislation into law. Mm. So you get a piece of, uh, let's say, for example, there's a law been passed through the Dole this week, which is uh, the Public Health Alcohol Bill, which is essentially about um, uh, putting up the price of these cans we're drinking, probably. Bastards. Uh, putting cancer warnings on them, um, or health warnings anyway. I'm not sure about cancer warnings. And generally just reminding people that drink is a really bad idea. Mm. Um, Fake news. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that bill has passed through the Dole, and it has to, I think, go back to the Shannon and um, the Senate. And uh, so there's two houses of parliament mm. for, for listeners who, who aren't familiar. And then um, it'll go to the president and they'll sign it into law. But they have powers to, for example, refer it to the Supreme Court. So if Michael D is looking at this law, the alcohol bill, and he yeah. decides that he loves his 20 cents value cans of he, Tesco tinnies, yeah. he could, what, what can he do with that? About he's that at law? his desk, he's got the paperwork on his left and a bag of cans on the right <laughs> and his eyes are darting between the two. Well, he can, he can call together something that's called the Council of State, which Sounds is so basically... Cool. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. Which sounds pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's basically made up of former Taoiseach, uh, former prime ministers. Uh, oh, God, who else is on it? Well, the president picks a few. Judges, the president, yeah. uh, like Supreme Court judges. No, not Supreme Court judges. Some sort of judges anyway. Uh, and the president picks a few people and they come together and they have a meeting and they say, well, look, will we refer this to the Supreme Court or not? And in certain instances, uh, it can be re- referred to the Supreme Court for its deliberation on whether or not this law is in compliance with the Constitution. Right. So really the President, I suppose, is the protector of the Constitution. And then they perform all sorts of ceremonial roles in terms of whenever, uh, you know, whenever Donald Trump comes to Ireland, for example, which might happen in the next 18 months, um, the President will probably meet him and, and bring him up to Orson Uchtdraw on his, mm. his big White House in, in the Phoenix Park, although <laughs> it's not as big as the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue. It is as white um, though. It is as white. We have that. Yep. It's pretty white. Yeah, it's pretty white. Um, so uh, that's really what the president does. There are, there are other uh, things that they do as well. They can uh, call a joint session of the Oireachtas where they can address both the, the Dole and Shannon, which are the two is houses that, of parliament. Is it true that's never happened before? Uh, I think Mary McAleese did it. Um, but I, don't quote me on that. Um, it's not like we're recording this right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I think you're quoting yeah. yourself on this. <laughs> just, just cut that bit out. Um, no. So, uh, and they can they can do other things as well. They can make speeches, but like the, there's really kind of the, there are restrictions around the presidency. So, for example, if the president wants to leave the country, they have to get the permission of the government. Yes. It actually has to go before the cabinet, and the cabinet have to assent to the president leaving the state. And that includes going up to Northern Ireland, for example, because it's a it's a it's a separate country, effectively. Ah. Um, I'm just picturing Michael D in shorts, Hawaiian shirt, and like a bucket and spade, sitting outside, the, sunglasses. sitting outside the cabinet, sitting outside the cabinet, yeah. just like waiting. <laughs> Can I go? Um, so uh, I, I, there's, there's more, but I can't remember all of it right now. But that is broadly what the president is. Mm. So I mean, for years it's been criticised as a kind of a, a ceremonial office, no real power. Uh, millions of euros spent on it every year. What's the point of the presidency? But I think they are an important protector and guardian of uh, of the of the laws of this mm-hmm. state. Um, they they act as a check and balance on what the government's doing, on what the parliament is doing. Um, and I, I you know I, I think that's that's reasonably important. Now whether or not we need to be having these expensive elections all the time or every seven years anyway. Um, and you prefer a monarch. Uh, no, I don't prefer dictator. No, uh, dictator. No. Hey, get those Pope. words of yours out of his mouth. All right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking at an, ex- I, an expensive election. Um, the kind of the, the rigmarole which we'll talk about that that you have to go through to try and get a nomination to be president, uh, and just the kind of the sometimes farcical nature of the campaigns because mm. you get candidates saying all sorts of things that they want to do. 
uh, that they can't actually do anything about because they have no power to affect change in, in the homeless crisis, for example, or what's going on in the health service or something like that. Like I sat down with a candidate this week for an interview and they said, I asked, why are you running for president? And they said to me, uh, I'm running for president because, um, you know, the the... the uh, I think the dignity of the, of the elderly people or our, of our elderly people is being destroyed by the you know by the, the by the government. I think that the uh, the homeless crisis is terrible, the health crisis is terrible, and people can't afford third level education in this country because of the cost of rent. They can't do anything about that. As president, <laughs> it's right? not their business. So yeah. what they talk about is I will highlight these issues if I am president, right? So yeah. I'll go and visit a homeless shelter. I will draw attention yeah. to this issue if I am president. And force the government to act because I suppose people think that if the president is speaking on the matter, uh, then it's it's of great importance. And one of the things that people will notice in this country is that we have a presidential election every seven years. Um, there is a campaign. They do lots of interviews. They do lots of debates. And then they don't do any interviews or debates for the next seven years. Uh, they make speeches, which kind of have to be run through the government a little bit, like they have to kind of sign off on them. They have to get permission to leave the country. Um, and they kind of operate in a kind of a in a silo where we don't really hear that much, not that much happens. And then they come around maybe seven years later and they're looking for re-election. Now, in fairness to the current president, Michael D. Higgins, he has been a little bit more active and he's been a little bit more prepared to criticise government policy in, in some areas. You mean over the last seven years? Yeah, like so when he took office in 2011, the country was in shite, as we, we all know, and there was an awful lot of austerity being implemented. And he would have railed against what he saw as the, uh, you know, the, the, the flaws of capitalism, the flaws of rating agencies, uh, and basically how the global financial system contributed to great pain and suffering. Uh, and that that wasn't good, and that we needed to kind of uh, decouple ourselves from our reliance on mm. um, on on globalization to some to the extent to which it it had such a, a terrible impact on the country. Um, and was there a tangible like effect from those words? Like you know, you could say oh, you can highlight over. Haven't heard capitalism over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael D. He sorted it. <laughs> um, was there a tangible effect? No, nah, not really. No. <laughs> um, I mean, I think he annoyed a lot of people in government at the time. Um, I remember that it was specifically it was a speech to the EU, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right to the yeah. European Parliament. He railed against the system, which had. Um, I mean, he didn't say this explicitly, but we all kind of knew he was railing against system, which, for example, forced Ireland to impose a huge austerity on its people and mm. bail out its banks, uh, pay all the bondholders, and uh, we, you know, we 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 ultimately picked up the tab for that, and that's what he was kind of having a go at, and that. You know, you have to remember Michael D. Higgins was a politician for 30 years. He was in the Labour Party. He was a very radical politician. Yep, socialist um, politician, essentially. Well, yeah, a little bit. Um, when Ronald Reagan came to Ireland in 1984, Michael D. Higgins was at a protest outside <laughs> the parliament where, where he was speaking. Um, and he was uh, giving out yards, you know. And it was actually someone burned an American flag at that protest. Oh. Now, he didn't participate in that at all. And he later condemned it, I think. But... Um, that's the kind of stuff he was up to. Mm. Um, and I suppose it's unusual, really, that we had someone who was such an activist politician uh, and a bit of a socialist, mm. outspoken, left-wing, that he would then run for president and then kind of not say anything for seven years. Yeah. Um, so he has tried to say things where he can, but he's very restricted by still, the office that he holds. He still respects the, the, the limitations of the Constitution. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah, I think he, he understands the Constitution better than most people. He understands better than me, for example. Um, <laughs> not better than me, though. I'll be the first. <laughs> not sure about I you guys. Yeah. I couldn't spell it. Constitu I constitutional say, scholars. I know yeah. it begins with a K, but after that. <laughs> um, so before, sorry, we've, we've yeah. been on a tangent. We talked yeah, about Yeah, we did, yeah. We talked about specific Let's get back to the point. Back yeah. to the point. So, how if if tomorrow if Richie decides to run for president, how when? does he do it? Oh, well, it's not an well. Oh, we had a referendum back at the equal marriage one. Well, you Richie, can't. You have to wait till you're 35. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. You're not 35. No, 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 no. I know. Okay, I look so, quite old. I'm 28. Uh, I hazard a guess that none of us at this table are eligible to run for president. That's it. But just say it's my 35th birthday tomorrow, <laughs> and I meet that criteria. What's what's my next step? Steve's my campaign manager, so I got that sorted. Have what much what money? do the two of us do together? How much how money have you got? How much money do you? Do I'll you check have? later. Don't worry about that. Uh, well, how well, much money uh, do we need? For well, like technically, a, you don't need any, I suppose. But yeah. I mean, if you want to mount an effective campaign, and you want to mm. you want to get your name out there, you want to get posters and leaflets yeah. and all this kind of crack. Is uh, there a general like good number to probably about two hundred and fifty thousand at least? Right. Easy peasy. Easy. Yeah. We'll get that. Fine Gael in two thousand eleven spent five hundred and fifty odd thousand on Gay Mitchell, who mm. got six percent of the vote or something. Is it like true that. it was under the quota? They didn't get that back. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they blew half a million euro uh, on, a, on a bad candidate he was bad uh, in a bad election but um, so you want to be president yeah I have, um, to, I have the money just say I have that 250 <laughs> right. so you got make it on this episode alone <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to get a nomination and there's two ways of getting a nomination the first is to get the uh, signatures of 20 members of the Oireachtas so that's 20 TDs and senators so you, you can get 19 senators and one TD. It doesn't matter what, what, what the shake-up is. Um, so and can it, a, a senator and a TD sign for multiple no. nominees? They can only no, have one signature. One. Okay. Yeah. So you can do that. And if you're a member of a political party, obviously, if you can get the support of the political party that has more than 20 TDs and senators, then you, you, you can get a nomination. Yeah. The other route, which is kind of more mad... Uh, and interesting definitely the one I'm going to be into <laughs> <laughs> is the support of four local authorities so four uh, city or county councils uh, there are 31 I think in Ireland mm, 31-ish uh, yeah well, some of them are emerging and stuff so yeah. that involves effectively going before these councillors who are only too delighted with the coverage that this gets because it's like that the entire uh, establishment, political establishment media from Dublin. Uh, I didn't the likes know, of me, for example. I didn't know that me had a county council. <laughs> <laughs> descend uh, on Kildare County Council, Meath County Council, or wherever, um, Mayo County Council, uh, to hear these presidential candidates go before the councillors, give their spiel, why I want to be president, what I'll do if I'm president, uh, and answer questions. And it's a spectacle, you know. Mm. So over the summer, we had all sorts of people going before these councils in the bid to win their support. People like Kevin Sharkey. Um, <laughs> Who's from my town, by the way. Yeah, good guy. Um, bit, bit on the extreme end in terms of his political views. On um, which end of the spectrum? Uh, um, more the Donald Trump end. Not than the, necessarily uh, even any spectrum. He just, he said some nuts stuff like well, he wanted the death penalty for... What do you want the death penalty back for? For people just wanted that, it back. He just, it was specifically just for people bring it back, yeah. that break into old people's houses. That's, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that was a bit mad. He also said he used to be. It is true that he used to be a gigolo, but he never accepted money. Yes, that's right. For right. gay sex, yeah. <laughs> and he openly just came, this was no, he no, led with this. He's been he's he's an artist, TV personality. This been around for ages, mm. so all this stuff was known about him. And right. Like, like when I heard he was going for it, I'm just like, you're a fucking tit. All this stuff is going to come out. And uh, he did, so uh, people like him, uh, there's a farmer called John Gork who has this enormous um, and fantastic beard. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say like following or something. <laughs> or like movement. Or tra tractor. Um, and was, uh, you know, very much in, in the vein of, of someone who wanted to do more for rural Ireland and yeah. felt that the rural Ireland had been neglected, which is, which is true to a certain extent. And... Um, so th these kind of characters, uh, Gemma O'Doherty, uh, a, a journalist who... Uh, need to spend a moment talking about her. ...is a little bit controversial yeah. uh, on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, and uh, they went before the councils and gave their spiel, took questions, all sorts of stuff was came out and said. And Then you have the more kind of serious candidates who ultimately would have got nominations, people like Sean Gallagher, people like Joan Freeman, people like Gavin Duffy, uh, who we'll, we'll, we'll talk about all them, but they would have gone before the councils as well. And ultimately, you have to get four of them to support and endorse you. What sometimes happens is once a councillor gets there for uh, local authorities, they kind of free up the other ones and they say, well, look, you don't have to support me. You support the other guy or the other woman. Mm. And that happened a little bit as well. You had, for example, once Gavin Duffy and Sean Gallagher, both formerly of Dragon's Den TV <laughs> programme. Uh, for American listeners, that would be the equivalent of Shark Tank. Which is there? What is Shark Tank? Shark Tank is the American Dragon's Den. It's okay. like where Mark Cuban yeah. and it's been going for a long time. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's the exact same it's premise. Just as bad. So yeah. your, your American listeners need to imagine that three of the panelists or, or the judges on Shark Tank yeah. were not, running not for president. Not similar to The Apprentice. That kind of a tone. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Business person true. on television. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So see any similarities there, people? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, these these guys, these two guys. Uh, sorry, uh, Sean Gallagher and Gavin Duffy. Once they got the nomination, they freed up the councils to support the other dragon in the race, Peter Casey. Not a bad tactic if you want to split the vote as well with more candidates. Well, yeah. So. So there's all sorts of theories about whether these guys are working together or not. Uh, no one, no one can prove anything. They deny that they're working together at all. But um, it's hard not to get that thought into your head when you see three of the candidates, three of the six candidates, are uh, you know former judges on Dragon's Den. It's, mm. it's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Well, how would they be working together? To what end? I have a suspicion that Peter Casey is in the race for the purposes of saying stuff about Michael D. Higgins. He's been very critical of Michael D. Higgins. Uh, that 
perhaps the likes of Gavin Duffy and Sean Gallagher wouldn't say because they're a bit more sort of well they're in Ireland for example they've lived here for however long they've lived here whereas Peter Casey lived in America for 30 odd years and has only recently returned to the country yeah he's like a business uh, over there and is running for for president well he's divested himself of all of that and and he's back in Ireland now and he's living in Ireland and he's running for president Um, but I would bet a large sum of money that he won't win unfortunately for him anyway (laughs) 250,000 yeah (laughs) yeah Um, so that's how you do it Um, it's a high enough bar um, it's hard and there have been there has been very, every time we have a presidential election there's always a discussion around well should we make it easier because this is kind of ridiculous that you have to go all around the country you have to sit in councillors homes before you sorry I should say as well before you do the kind of the, the public um, speech making and question taking in front of councils you have to kind of curry their favour a little bit behind the scenes so you have to ring them up you have to go and meet them and you say will you, will you support me and will you get your mate your other mate in Fine Gael to support me Yada yada yada, and that takes a lot of work. And uh, but it's effective. Like so, Sean Gallagher, for example, would have had councils locked up he before like, he yeah. even did the public addressing of them and, and taking questions from them, because he'd spent the summer courting councillors and going around the country. Just and all saying, the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, right. all the behind the scenes stuff that you wouldn't see. So it's pretty high bar. Um, it's it's difficult to get on the ballot paper. Um, there was a, there was probably about a dozen people tried to get on the ballot paper. Only six did in the end. Very quickly, one of them was a glamour model. Yeah, I forget her name. I forget her name, but she she <laughs> was it in Limerick County Council. She got into a screaming match with some of the councillors and had to be escorted out. Some could say that's an impassioned kind of <laughs> delivery. Um, that that's could be a commendable trait. Also, a, 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 a definitely a joke candidate, a lady who was pretending to be someone else, like a PR guru or something. Oh, Bunty Twuffington McFuff or something. Wait, what? <laughs> Say that again, because I didn't she's hear She's a comedian. I think her name is Norma Burke, and yeah. she has this character that she's created, Bunty I'm not going to say it again, because it's was, just so ridiculous. And was Bunty or Norma running? <laughs> Bunty was. Bunty, okay. So she managed to get an appointment to address Dublin City Council, and she went in and said loads of mad stuff about um, that the Oris would become... I can't even like remember. a hair salon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, mental <laughs> stuff like. And um, maybe it's she good was, this process is there to weed out. It, yeah, but you see, the point was right. She gets a meeting with Dublin City Council, which is like the biggest local authority in the country, mm. and um, she uh, goes in. She makes a complete mockery of it. The councils are in uproar. They were furious. Yeah. They were furious about it. Um, but that's the wrong. And then, but she, like, she, she just she did it for the purposes of showing how how utterly bizarre this entire process yeah. is. But it does have the effect I suppose of of um, weeding out some of the more mm. um, I don't know what you would call them obscure candidates or so candidates who really uh, when it, when all is said and done it would just not be appropriate for them to, to run for president because Does Gemma Doherty count in that camp? Um, I, I think that Gemma Doherty expressed some views that uh, were frankly outrageous so, so for example she suggested that Veronica Guerin a journalist who was murdered in 1996 um, had been uh, and, and who the, the murderer of her had gone to prison um, and other people had gone to prison who were who were linked to her murder um, she suggested that in fact she'd been murdered by the state uh, and that there had been state collusion in, in her in her death and the, the murder of Veronica Guerin was a, was a big moment in, in Irish history because there was a movie made of it yeah, there was a movie made Blanchett, of it yeah. with Kate Blanchett yeah it was a very good movie as well but I mean it was a, it was a big moment everyone remembers the Veronica Guerin murder in Ireland um, or any, anyone who's old enough anyway um, and um, for her to suggest that was was bizarre and kind of outrageous. And Veronica Guerin's brother, for example, Jimmy Guerin, who is a county councillor uh, in Fingal, yeah. was outraged by this, justifiably so, and uh, made a very good speech, I thought, at the council, where Gemma didn't turn up to seek their nomination. I'm not sure why. I think she had a diary clash or something <laughs> like that. Uh, and he, he gave a very good speech kind of pointing out why this was totally untrue and that, that this was really hurtful to to, to him and, and to Veronica's um, Veronica's family. Um, and, and she's also made some some other kind of claims around the HPV vaccine and mm-hmm. it's... Um, it's it's whether it's effective or not. Even though all scientific studies done so far show it is effective, and it is saving lives. That that you know, and and she she had a big bee in her bonnet about the Irish media generally. Um, you know, I did an interview with her. She was very unhappy with that. <laughs> uh, she complained to my editor about it. Um, she threatened legal action before the interview was even published. <laughs> um, we we haven't uh, there hasn't been any legal action subsequent to that thus far anyway. Um, 
So yeah, I don't know. Is there anything more to be said about Gemma Donnelly? No. She didn't get a nomination. She got the support, I think, of one county council mm. leash. Um, it's she, crap she, she, didn't, she didn't. Um, she didn't get enough support. She got, I think, eleven members of the Oroctus to sign a nomination papers, but she was nine short. So she was. So let's just say I'm not one of the crazy candidates, and I managed to make it through. I secured <laughs> a, the, those four nomination or those four signatures, or the twenty from the TDs and. Senators. What happens then? You're on the ballot paper. On the ballot. Oh, amazing. You're, Steve, I got chills. <laughs> I got chills. You're running for president. Amazing. <laughs> you start the circuit. Yeah, we start campaigning. You start campaigning. And and really, it's, you know, it's whatever you want it to be, right? So right. you can go around the country. You can go to shopping centres. Get a big bus. You can do as many media interviews as it. possible. You can get a big bus with your face on it. You can put posters up. You can, you can do whatever you want, really. I mean, even looking at this campaign, you have someone like... Um, well, you have kind of three different styles, as I see it. You have someone like Peter Casey, who doesn't really seem to be doing an awful lot. He launched his campaign there yesterday, Friday. But prior to that, I think he'd been up in his, in his holiday home up in, in Donegal, uh, and he'd been making Twitter videos, including one where he um, hit a golf ball into the uh, into the lake. Oh, yeah, I remember house. that. And he like, dug it out of the lake or and something. He, well, he claimed he dug it out of the lake, but that, that doesn't seem tenable to me. It but was, he'd been criticised for weird. obviously throwing... Uh, a non-compostable object into into a lake. <laughs> That's not very presidential. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and then there's people like Sean Gallagher, who's got a bus with his face on it. Um, who's, Subtle. Who's going around Discreet. the country? Um, and he's he's meeting people and he's he's shaking hands, kissing shaking babies, babies, kissing hands. And then there's Michael D. Higgins, the the current president, who's kind of mixing his engagements as president because he's still president uh, with campaigning mm. um, and there's kind of a blurring of the lines there at certain points where it, I, I think it, it becomes kind of difficult for him to separate out his office from being a campaigner but he tries to do it but I mean for example like if the president was here right now there'd be two guys from the Garda special branch uh, armed and dangerous looking um, <laughs> protecting him and that, that goes whether he's campaigning or whether he's doing presidential duties mm. um, so it's really what, what you want to do like you know I mean you, you can do as little or as much as possible in, in an attempt to win votes and, and the campaign itself is I mean this this year it's pretty short in, in terms of there was the, the process of getting nominations but now the election as we sit here this weekend is three weeks away yeah, it's October 26th. October 26th. Yeah. And um, there'll be debates, there'll be a couple of television debates, and there'll be a couple of radio debates. I think there'll be six debates altogether. Yeah, That's quite possibly. Lot. And there's yeah. a bit of a row about, you know, Michael D. Higgins saying that some of his uh, diary commitments as president clash with these debates, so he's he can't already do them. One. So he, he pulls out a one, and then Sean Gallagher says, well, I'm not going to debate anyone unless uh, everyone's there. Um, so he pulls out as well. So we've we've already had a radio debate, for example, where we only had four of the six candidates. So, so who do we have running this time? So we have the incumbent, Michael D. Higgins. Which it's worth saying that this is only the second time we've ever yeah, had an incumbent. Yeah, that's right. Running. So Eamon de Valera ran for re-election in 1966, uh, but it wasn't really an election in the sense that Fine Gael put up a candidate, uh, Tom O'Higgins, I think was his name. And um, he was young and he was dynamic and he was very good and he toured the country and he went out campaigning, whereas Eamon de Valera did nothing, effectively. He used the 50th anniversary uh, rising, uh, anniversary of the of the Easter Rising, um, the kind of the seminal moment in Irish history, the, the 50th anniversary to that of that and the associated events with that to kind of make speeches and be very presidential. and uh, But he didn't really mount a, a campaign as such. And he nearly lost. He only won by 10,000 votes. Um, but at that stage, I think he was very old. He was very ill. I think he was kind of blind. He was kind of blind. Um, but he lasted seven years. He did. He did. So he, he clung on. Because it was that, possible this time that if councils and the parties had all agreed not to nominate somebody mm. and Michael D because sorry there was a third way you mentioned too but there is a third way the president can nominate himself the sitting president yeah you're right so Michael you, D could I don't know why you have got me on here <laughs> you <laughs> clearly know much more about this than I do yeah but I don't get paid why to talk here? about it <laughs> just drink the beer and be happy <laughs> uh, Michael D essentially could have been re-elected without a contest and that was there was worry about that back at the start of the summer that they were going to that the parties were going to like rather than go through the hassle of having an election we're just going like, to let Michael D stay not have to bring in the moving van Mm. And, and you, and in fact, like there is only actually oh, most. I think I counted the other day. It's like five of the seven major political parties in this country are backing Michael D. Higgins for re-election. Even the Greens. Even, Even the Greens. Greens. Uh, so he has he has a huge uh, level of support. Um, and then Sinn Fein is 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 running a candidate, Leonie Reader, 
uh, former RTE producer who uh, only joined Sinn Féin in 2011 as their Irish language officer. She's a fluent Irish speaker and she's an MEP for the Ireland South constituency, which is a huge constituency covering 10 counties. And she's very much seen as the kind of new breed of Sinn Féin who's not contaminated by IRA associations, etc. You can et see that in her, in her campaign material. There's mm. no mention of Sinn Féin that we could see like on initial posters. No, you're right, yeah. Even That's another thing, right? Yeah. So there's only two candidates putting up posters, her and, and the president who we just mentioned. Um, and there's no mention of Sinn Féin. Mm. And I think that's an effort somewhat to say, I mean, Sinn Féin will, will kind of say, well, look, this this is an office that's above politics, so why should we be campaigning as because a political Because, for example, party? Michael D was Labour Party. Yeah. But now there's no... But he resigned the moment yeah. he was elected. And she, she has said she'll resign the moment uh, she's elected, if she's elected. Uh, so they're the only party running a candidate. And then we have the three aforementioned dragons. So we have Sean... It sounds so fantastic. Aforementioned <laughs> dragons. Yeah, we have the three yeah. dragons. <laughs> So there's Sean Gallagher, who ran in 2011 and nearly won, um, but didn't in the end. And we won't get into that, will we? But Let's uh, not. Do you know <laughs> just, like, what percentage he got like, when you say nearly? No, I don't. But he, he, he came second. It wasn't, well, it wasn't actually. It was, it was, there, was a, there was a pretty big gap in the end. But the thing about it was, was that a week out from the polling day, he was on 40% in the opinion polls. And he was, he was well ahead of Michael D. Higgins. The other candidate running, the other dragon running is Gavin Duffy, um, who's kind of a media trainer, personality, uh, <laughs> communications specialist. Um, who's worked with former Taoiseach and, and uh, worked with a lot of the kind of prominent Irish people, including Dennis O'Brien, who's a controversial figure. And then there's, there's this guy, Peter Casey, who we talked about as well. And then there's Joan Freeman, who is the CEO or the former CEO of Pieta House, which is a suicide charity. She's also a senator and she's um, very distinguished. She's been working in the area of mental health for well over a decade now. Uh, and she's she's got a good track record behind her. I think she's a good candidate. The kind of controversy around her centres on a loan that she took from her former boyfriend, Des Walsh, who is either the current or the former managing director of Herbalife, uh, which listeners in America will probably be familiar with, which has faced allegations of being a pyramid scheme. Yeah. And had to pay, I think, a $200 million settlement with the Federal Trade Commission. Although they did not find that it's a pyramid scheme, but it's it, it looks a little bit like a pyramid it's a scheme. Trapezoid scheme. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um and I is that it? That's it. So they're the six candidates. All the polls show that Michael D. Higgins is gonna get reelected. Uh, there's a poll in my own paper, the Sunday Business Post a few weeks ago, which put him on sixty seven percent. And the next nearest challenger was Gallagher on fifteen percent, I think. Jesus. Whoa. But that's a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have a campaign ahead of us. Things Campaigns matter. Mm. Campaigns can change things. They can change the way uh, people feel about candidates. I actually think that most people voting in the presidential election won't actually think about it that much until a week or, or 10 yeah. days out. I think people broadly, and I, I'm probably, I could be misreading this completely, but people are broadly happy with Michael Deegans, right? They think he's done a decent mm. job. Seems to be the consensus. We personally love him. We are, we are big fans. Are you guys going to vote for him? Neither of us are going to be in the country to vote. Yeah, I, live in, I live in London. <laughs> Steve's going to be UK side. I'm going to be on, yeah, on vacation in the UK that I booked before. They were supposed like they were they were talking about being no election. So I was like, oh, I don't have to be around then. So then, yeah, mm. I, 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 I messed up. May cut my birthday around then. I may come back. Yeah, you should come I'll back and vote should, for yeah. at least one of us. Yeah. Um, we did a live show on the electric picnic a couple of weeks ago. Richie actually sourced a signed autograph of the president and gave it to me as a gift. Right. I, I got in contact with Ars Neutron and got put in contact with someone from their communications department and he obliged like an absolute legend. <laughs> he, he mistook me. He, he thought I was doing it for a stag do. Mm. And he was still going to give it to you. It seemed like he was still going to do it, but uh, told him yeah, to like, I, he's He's popular. Mm. Um, and I think that that's born out of the kind of the stuff we were talking about earlier about how he kind of railed against austerity when he was a, 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 a TD, a politician. He was on the right side of a lot of the social issues that have kind of come to the fore mm. in recent years: same-sex marriage, abortion, obviously. And although he hasn't been able to speak about those issues while he's been, been the president, I think people see him in that mould. And I think there are moments when he when he has been a little bit outspoken that that people have kind of said, "Ah, yeah, Michael D, good guy, doing mm. a good job." Um, and I think generally people just don't care that much about the presidency. Mm. He's doing an alright job. Yeah, he's doing an alright right job. If it's not broke, don't, don't, if it's not broke don't fix it. I mean, there yeah. is a, a discussion to be had around like seven years is an awful long time. I mean, what were you guys doing seven years ago? Christ. You know? I was working on the David Norris campaign, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, I did some work on that. 
That um, was your fault. <laughs> yeah. How come he didn't win? Um, <laughs> no, I, re- I had a re- one really bad day. I was hungover. And, <laughs> no. You know, it's it's seven years is a long time, and uh, you know, there's also questions about his age. Uh, he's 77. If he was to serve a full second term, he's 84. Mm. Now he argues that he's never been fitter. He does yoga. He's in the, in the in the prime of his life, and he's he's in great shape, but. You know, there's a big difference, as I see, it's just genetically it is, or, or biologically or whatever you want to say, is it, a big difference between going from 70 to 77 and mm. 77 to 84. Yes. Things stop working. Yeah. And you know? he also did tell people that he wouldn't run again. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? So he when made did a, he say this? He made a firm commitment in 2011 that if he was elected, he would not uh, serve a second term. And he changed his mind. He enjoys it. He likes it. He, fe- he feels and he says that he has more to do and he wants to do more. And I, I don't know whether voters are, are are annoyed about that or not. Like I was talking to a, a guy I know who whose wife is in a book club and he's, he's a lot older than me and his, his wife's probably a lot older than me as well. But she's in a book club and all the ladies in the book club are really, they're really fucked off that Michael D broke his promise. So they're not going to vote for him. Really? Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's a good yeah. little niche focus group. Yeah, exactly. Right. That, I mean, that doesn't mean anything, obviously, yeah, yeah. but in the in the grand scheme of things. But I think it just shows that some people are going to be a little bit pissed off with Michael D. That I think, he's, um, yeah. An awful lot of Michael D. support comes from uh, IPA swilling hipsters like us that may not even go out and vote. Yeah. Whereas the, the angry... Well, that's uh, the problem, isn't it? The, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear you over disturbing in my APA. <laughs> Whereas the um, yeah, the, the, those book those book reading ladies they they do vote, yeah. and they may be more inclined for a dragon. A well, exactly, a right? yeah. dragon. I think that the turnout's going to be pretty low, actually, because um, who cares, right? I mean, you guys aren't going, or you guys aren't voting. Um, I, might, I might. I feel bad now. I think I'll come back. <laughs> and, think I'll come um, back. There was a, we had the election in 2011, but it was a different moment, it was a different time. The country was in shit. People were really annoyed with austerity. People really wanted hope. And, and Gallagher's message at that time, Sean Gallagher's message at that time, spoke to them because he talked about jobs, um, even though the president can't create jobs. But he, you know, he talked about his experience of creating jobs and how he wanted to kind of help. Which he kind of doing now again. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Not so much no. because in, unemployment is... It's a fraction of, of what uh, of what it was seven years ago. So what is his selling point? Because like essentially it's a two it's a two horse race. It is basically gonna be between him and Michael yeah, D. If even it's a race. Okay. Yeah, but sure. <laughs> I don't know. Let's entertain the idea that perhaps it could <laughs> Of course get, it's it, a race it and it, look, anything can happen. What's his There spiel? could be some major controversy and, and, and maybe you know Gallagher will steal a lead or maybe one of the other candidates will steal a lead. Is what? that what it would take? It would take something as big Michael as Michael D would have to fall down. On camera. I think something big will have to happen in the next few weeks for, for there to be a, a, a change to the um, to the expectation that Michael D. Higgins will be re-elected. They tried to get him on expenses and it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, so he's run up a, a bit of a bit of an expenses bill in the last few years. Um, there's a discretionary €317,000 fund which is unaudited, which has been paid to his office every that year for the last seven years. Apparently people only discovered last week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's always so been we, only, we only figured out it existed <laughs> last week. It's been around for years. It's been around even before Michael D.'s time. And um, he's argued that it's been spent on state occasions, uh, taxis for staff home, uh, you know, kind of garden parties, summer fates, it's all this kind of stuff. Basically, the Oris is petty cash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just Michael D has made a big, a big thing on bringing people into the Oris. So he's invited mm. a lot of different groups into the Oris, like, you know, survivors of the Magdalene laundries, all this kind of stuff. He's doing this kind of great kind of social stuff. I have to mention the dog. I see a lot of photographs dogs, on Instagram. Two dogs. With one dog. Two. Oh, <gasps> shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I stop the podcast. I can't go on. <laughs> Which one? One of the two Bernice. I don't know what his name I can't remember their names. But one of them is gone. Road and Shadow or something. Yeah, that's Sh- the yeah. second one. Shadow. Shadow. Yeah, he's gone. Oh, no. And they didn't make a big deal of it either. They they kept it low key. Yeah. But Gallagher is um what is what's his spiel? Do you know? I can't I, I don't know. I sat with him for an hour and a half a few weeks ago. Uh, not even <laughs> you, a few weeks your ago. Your job is covering this Two specifically and you can't answer. And I, I, that's pretty I just, negative. I just wasn't sure. He says, you know, Michael D's done a good job, but it's about the next seven years and he wants to um he wants to reach out to unionists in Northern Ireland. He wants there to be, you know, he, he thinks there's going to be a border poll pretty soon. If that even happened, the pre- Irish president probably couldn't get involved in that. No. Yeah. No. Well, for example, Mary McAleese during the peace process would have reached out to the to Protestants and to yeah. unionists. Yeah. And that was kind of seen as very important at a time when they were trying to yeah. um, get the Good Friday Agreement over the line. Gallagher, yeah, United Ireland, what else? Disabilities, he wants to highlight, uh, you know, people, d- disabilities in a sense, he wants to bring people who are, um, who have a disability into the Oris and um, he wants to, I suppose, raise awareness 
uh, with the hope, I suppose, that they, they get more help, more funding, more acknowledgement of, of the difficulties that they face. He actually has a visual impairment, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he does. That's right. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's, it's some sort of genetic condition, I think, that um, means that he, his eyes are very sensitive to, to natural light, I think. Yeah, but it doesn't, um, it doesn't impact him. And he's been a very successful businessman and he's now running for president for the second time. But I, I like, I'm not trying to be flippant here, but I mean, it is a case of, of there's so little that you can do as president that you really have to narrow down what your policies are. And it's just not really clear what, yeah. what to me anyway, having, even having sat with him, what, what, what he wants to do as yeah, president. Yeah, if after 90 minutes you, you're, you're still vague. I was still details, a little bit vague about yeah, it. Yeah, that's um, pretty indicative. To, to be quite honest. And, and this is another feature of the presidential election where you, when we talked about this earlier, where candidates just constantly harp on about issues of which they can have no impact on. Issues of the day that, issues of the day. that they want so, to catch attention So, Gavin for. Duffy this week hmm. launches his campaign and says that, you know... Robots. If, if, yeah, robots. <laughs> you can't tax robots. He wants to fight robots. <laughs> I mean, it's about time someone had this, said this. He got my letters. But he started... He, he, no, it, it was, he was making this point about how, like, we need to get used... To, or we need to, like, prepare ourselves for the challenges that we are going to face. You talk about automation. Yeah, automa- yeah, 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 automation, yeah. yeah, yeah. That automation is going to bring where jobs that uh, currently are done by people will not be done by people in five or ten years. Which is a fair point, but... But not, it's extremely it's absolutely fair, nothing yeah. to do with the nothing presidency. to do with the office of the president. But his big thing was, you know, Brexit's coming, and um, I am familiar with the issues. I know about trade. I know about tariffs. Uh, I know about all these issues. I've been to Northern Ireland. I can be almost a special rapporteur on Brexit for the government. That the government can deploy me into the Brexit talks if needs be. But they can't do that. Well, technically, I suppose they could, could but they? it's nonsense, and they won't. And um, <laughs> they have a minister for Brexit. Probably. Yeah, well, exactly. But they also have the the, the minister for foreign affairs. You yeah, know, the Tornister. Yeah. They have the Taoiseach. Um They like their jobs. Yes, um, and I don't really see what use Gavin Duffy would be in that process. Um, but he'll argue, he'll argue differently. Um, and then you have the Sinn Féin candidate, Lenny Rita, talking about a United Ireland, which you'd expect her to as as the Sinn Féin candidate. Um, and Joan Freeman wanting to highlight issues around mental health. Uh, and she thinks that, that you can't really get anything done as a legislator. She's a senator at the moment, that it takes too long and it's too uh, piecemeal. And that as president, she can she can draw attention to issues. So she's on that kind of vein. She, to me, seems to have a better understanding of, of the restrictions of the office uh, and of the role of the office than some of the other candidates. And then Peter Casey wants to connect with the diaspora, which is the millions and millions of Irish citizens living abroad and bringing them home. He has this, the in Israel they have this birthright program, I think, mm, where yeah. people come. Is it people come back to Israel? Or? You, if you're Jewish, you essentially have a right to be an Israeli citizen. Yeah, exactly right. So he wants to create that for Irish people abroad that they can come back and spend. If you're a ginger, few, you can come back. To you can spend. A, you can spend a few weeks in the Gale talked. <laughs> Just if you're of Irish heritage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know, it doesn't sound really appealing to me, to be honest. <laughs> I think you essentially do have the right to become an Irish citizen if you have an Irish grandparent or parent. So yeah. it's already there. But if someone <laughs> is like, oh, I made... But I think it's the idea that, you know, oh, he would actually there would be them. this programme whereby oh, you could come back. Oh, yeah, you you're talking about that. Yeah, no, Israel, yeah. they have a hot, they, they do, they pay you to go out and work on a, a, a kibbutz, is it? Kibbutz. Kibbutz yeah, for kibbutz. a couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah. And they, they'll fly you from anywhere in the world to do it. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. look into your heritage there. Free holiday to Israel if you're Jewish. <laughs> So that's what they're that's what they're selling, and um, you're not buying it. Well, no, I mean, I suppose I'm being a bit negative about it all, really, aren't I? But um, I think maybe I, I just think it, it's it can be a bit farcical because they end up just talking about stuff that they can have no real impact on, and that's where you have a situation where the campaign turns into a bit of a dogfight and it gets a bit dirty and a bit nasty because eventually they start throwing. Uh, insults at each other. Mm. And you're seeing a little bit of that at the moment in terms of Peter Casey saying, well, what the hell has Michael D. Higgins been doing for seven years? All he did was meet the Queen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or words to that effect. Um, and you also have a situation where the media, and I'll fully admit our complicity in this, but I think the media recognised that the role of president is so restricted and that there's so little that the president can do that it's not really about what they want to do as president, but it's about the personality and the character of that person because ultimately they are Ireland's representative at a national level and a global level. 
Um, they're the guys who are going to meet the Queen. They're the guy who's going to uh, host the US president when they come over or the, the president of any other country or the, the head of government of any other country. So they play an important symbolic role and you don't want someone who's going to make a show of us. You're essentially a representative of Ireland. You're yeah. like mm. the yeah, closest exactly, thing right. to a physical embodiment of Ireland. So you don't want some guy or woman who's off the wall or is going to embarrass us internationally. Yeah, Richie. Or is going to have some sort of business interests that are unseemly yeah. or, you know, Loans. they they sacked people that shouldn't have been sacked or they discriminated against black workers or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or they took a bribe from someone and not making any of these, these allegations. These are very specific. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suggesting that these are, uh, but I'm not suggesting that these are, are related to any other, um, to, to, to any of the current candidates in the race. But, but the job of the media is to interrogate their character, interrogate their personality, to break it down, find out everything about them, who they worked for, who paid them, whose interests are they acting in. And that creates a situation where you're digging into their interests and the more and more you dig into it, the more and more unseemly stuff you sometimes you, yeah. you pull out. So, for example, I wrote over the summer about uh, Gavin Duffy having advised Dennis O'Brien, the, the businessman who was the subject of a very negative uh, tribunal report seven years ago. Uh, and Duffy had never disclosed the fact that he'd advised O'Brien about this. Uh, and it, it transpires that I think he earned in the region of 18,000 euro for various advices he gave to Dennis O'Brien over the years. Not that much? Jesus, Gavin. It's not that much. He should have no. built more. It's about yeah. 40, well, he reckoned, he reckoned he did around 40 hours, so what's 40, 18,000? I think about... Okay, it's, that's not bad. <laughs> it's, not bad. Yeah, it's about <laughs> what I'll be charging you guys for tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah, just send it to Richie. He'll throw it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm going to be president soon. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a slush one, 300,000. No, but candidates are, are kind of... That you know, we we run through everything as the media. We we go we go and, and we talk to people who they used to work with. We 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 look at previous interviews that they've done. Mm. Um, so in that sense, Michael D has an advantage because he's gone through it already. Yeah, we see he hasn't really, um, because in two thousand eleven, for whatever reason, he didn't get as much scrutiny as the other candidates, and that is, I think, a failing of the media. Uh, and I I would freely admit that, and I think some of my colleagues would, would as well, is that we didn't go to the same lengths to examine the character and the the past and the history of Michael D Higgins as we did the other candidates. And I think part of the reason for that was because he'd been around for so long. Mm. As a just assume that it must be, assume, yeah, yeah. he must be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people. Um, Galway keep on like yeah. the people of Galway don't do anything wrong. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that um what happened there was that um we, we didn't do that job and that's why you're seeing the stories now about the unaudited three hundred thousand euro mm. um petty cash payment to the Oris. Uh that, that goes there every year. And do you we're, personally we're, think that's a big deal? I mean I and the the thing about the Swiss hotel room as well and do you think people should be making hay out of this, these kind of expenses? So the Swiss hotel room, we should tell our listeners, is about yeah. this 3,000 euro a night hotel in Geneva that the president is supposed to have stayed in. He's argued that it was the Department of Foreign Affairs that sorted this gig. He didn't ask to stay there. But he but, didn't uh, say no. He didn't say, <laughs> well, would you? No. Um, the Toblerones, man. Oh, the Toblerones. Do I, do I think that's a big deal? Uh, I think it's important that we should know how our money is spent mm. um, in all areas um, of, of public public policy and, and uh, I, so so I, I think it's important but I don't think we should over mm. yeah. over I don't egg take it. it as it is I mean, I, I, you see no one at, 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 as far as I'm aware no one at any point has, has proven for example that this money was misappropriated yeah, or used right, yeah. um, in a bad way but the question is there's been no scrutiny over it the president's exempt from FOI law freedom of information laws which means we can't access mm. documents and um, there was a situation where some of the spending wasn't being audited for three years or what there wasn't an internal audit unit in, in, in one of the government departments um, there could be a little bit more scrutiny of this money but at, at no stage of, has there been any suggestion that m money has been misappropriated here or that he's using the money to enrich himself or to enrich people who he's close to so I, I don't think it's an issue um, I, I don't think that um, I, sorry, I do think it's an issue. I think there needs to be more transparency around the money, but I don't think that we, we should overreg it too yeah. much. But I do think he needs to come under a bit more scrutiny about his record over the last seven years. I don't think anyone has really looked into his associations with, with pretty dodgy uh, left-wing Latin American... Venezuela. Vene and, yeah, Venezuela and Nicaragua, which is Central America, into his association with them. So, for example, Daniel Ortega, right? He's the president of Nicaragua. Uh, used to be a, a goody, bit of a body now. Um, has uh, cracked down on, on protests in this country. I think that they're imprisoning doctors who help protesters who are being injured. That's how bad it is in Nicaragua at the moment. 
he was in Michael D. Higgins's house in 1989 when he came to, when uh, Ortega came to Galway. There's similarities they, there between him and Jeremy Corbyn in that sense, isn't there? Yeah, hanging out with dodgy, yeah, yeah. dodgy, mm, dodgy lefty, dodgy lefty yeah. dictator people yeah. who turn out to be dictators. Who turn out to be dictators who were grand in the beginning, yeah. but uh, slowly, as as the longer they were in power, the more that the, the kind of democratic freedoms enjoyed by the likes of us were were eroded. And um, that hasn't really been scrutinised. You know, how close were you to him? How when was the last time you spoke to him? Now I uh, gather the last time you spoke to him was in 1991. So, okay, and then most enough. importantly, will you condemn what they do? Will now? you condemn yeah. what they do now? So, one of the controversies that Michael D. Higgins has had in the last seven years was that when Fidel Castro died last year, he put out a statement saying Fidel Castro was, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but like a giant among men, a mm. great guy, did enormous things for Cuba at a time when. Um, it needed it and when it was being oppressed he, he liberated the Cuban people but there were, were extraordinary human rights abuses mm-hmm. under the Castro regime in Cuba uh, and he made no reference to them in that statement and that right. went down really badly uh, people were really annoyed about that including yeah. people in government um, and I think the public generally uh, if, they, if they had seen that would, would have been pretty annoyed about it as well because I think it's generally acknowledged Fidel Castro divisive figure sure but I don't think it's it's disputed that there were serious human rights abuses in Cuba um, so that wasn't really interrogated in 2011 so all that will come up and all that will will, will be will be uh, filtered through over the next few weeks mm-hmm. and then at the end he'll probably get re-elected <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and to be honest Good. Yeah. <laughs> so now I know all this, I feel like I'm perfectly poised to just kind of swoop in there now. Wait a minute, you're 28 now. In seven years' time, you're going to be 35. Oh my God. Why not? Okay, so not now. By now I meant future now. Do you have any other questions? I feel like, I, I feel like I've left so much out. No, I, f- I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think we got it all. No, we a little bit all over. So, you no, know. It's fine. So we did our live show last night. Yeah, everything goes night. more slowly. Yeah. The brain doesn't work as, yeah. as fast. But, I, um, this is like a playbook for me in seven years' time. With, and, well, for you, Steve, you're my campaign manager. And I just make a general point, actually, that like, it's, I think it's mad. Like, I think you'd be mad to run for yeah. president. I think it's bonkers, right? Unless you have the support of a political party behind you. Mm. The idea, right, that you would traipse around the country addressing county councillors, uh, you know, beg for their support, get their support, and then blow 300 grand on a campaign that you, you, you know, more likely than not will Won't not win. Yeah. Uh, and you, will, you might not reach the quota, you yeah. will not get that money back. So you will literally, you're literally digging a hole and throwing money yeah, into and it. And not just that, have every single piece of shitty thing that you've ever even been that's near the in thing. your entire life be dragged Sorry, that's out the huge thing. and waved around. Yeah, exactly. That and we've all done it, Richie. T- Richie. Even just even just last night alone. Richie, you have secrets. Yeah. I have. I'm sure you have dark, dark secrets. Who, t- who right? are you even talking to? <laughs> um, and the idea that that someone would subject subject themselves to that, yeah, uh, is extraordinary. It is. Because Why would you do it? Like we, the Irish political scene and media culture is pretty different to America and the UK in that we don't really dig into our politicians dirty except that when much. it comes to the presidency except when it comes to the presidency it's open season wow. um, that's weird and isn't again, it? it is weird and again the media gets a bit of grief about that but my argument would be well no because that's all it's about it's, that's all it's about because this is like we're, we're, we're picking a person to represent the country and it's really, really important that we know everything about them. We know all their dirty secrets. We know yeah. uh, that all their dirty laundry is out. Yeah. Uh, and that there are no surprises when they get in there. Yeah. Uh, and, it, you know, I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's like, look what's happening in America with, with Brett Kavanaugh, you know. Yeah. Um, it's really important that we know about all this stuff. Right. Um, so I have seven years to close down my sex dungeons. But you see, that's, you could close out, you could close down your sex dungeons and I'll just find out about them. <laughs> Well, you just told me about them. What sex? <laughs> Alleged sex dungeons. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, so Richie, you're not going to run for president. I'm not going to run now, but... Maybe 2025. And yeah, seven and you years shut down all your sex dungeons. I'll, I'll, it's going to take seven years to shut down all my sex dungeons. So, so sticky. Probably, they are so sticky. You know... I, oh, so many mops. Anyway, that's what you're doing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's my job. I need you. I'll hire Jared. It's fine. That's perfect. Excellent black source. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Cheers. I hope it was useful. It Absolutely was. it was. Enjoy your presidential dinner that's unrelated to the conversation we just had the last 50 minutes. Yes. It's so confusing. <laughs> I will. But uh, no, I'm, I, was, I was happy to, to help. Cheers. I won't help with your campaign, though. You say that now. No. Don't worry, he's going to do... It's we'll, sex we'll, dungeons. Fluff, it's just fluff pieces, fluff pieces. <laughs> exactly. They were Cheers. the loveliest sex dungeons. Oh, they're really nice. They're very, it's very tasteful. Don't be put off by the word dungeon. It's very tasteful. Cheers, you. Thank you. Usually, uh, so this is a closer. Usually when we do the closer, we've 
we know what the middle section is, so we're able to talk about how well it went. It went really well. It went, like, let's assume it went really yeah, well. We're recording this beforehand, but we know for a fact it went really well. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It was so funny. What was your favorite thing that happened? I love the, the, the time where the guy <laughs> talked about the thing. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember that part. Uh, yeah, but you remember the... And we and the and the. My favorite part was where I tried to do my flip, yeah. but I got about one and a half, and I landed on my neck. And maybe that's why I don't remember your part because I was unconscious for the majority of the recording. Yeah, but you know the wheelchair that you have now is really nice. Um, but thank you, Hugh, so much for that. Um, we think we, we think <laughs> we assume we assume we assume housekeeping just at the end. What on politics on Twitter? Yes. What on politics at gmail.com If you want yes. to shoot us a message, please do. We love reading lovely emails from you folks. There is the voicemail service on whatonpolitics.com if you want to leave us a little wee recording. Uh, what on politics on Instagram. Yes. You put up a really good picture of a teal uh, tuxedo, tuxedo yeah. that, that I really want to get now. Because <laughs> it would fit, it would fit our, it fits our colour scheme so well. I know. And maybe the next live show. Maybe. Maybe. You have to come and find out. Yeah. But in the meantime, please go to iTunes and rate us. That would be swell. That in a good swell. way. I think at some point we'll probably do a competition for people who rate and review us on iTunes. Who knows? Maybe we'll, maybe we won't. <laughs> maybe this vague promise of some vague shitty prize will be enough to, to finally make some people uh, rate and review us. Um, I'm really... I'm so bad. So. We drank a lot of pints of Guinness after our show last night. We did. It's, uh, it's taking its toll. It's taking its toll now, yeah. It's taking its toll. I'm going to go out and I'm going to use uh, Ted the Labradoodle as a pillow. That's true. And do you want to use the other side of him as a pillow? Yeah. We'll just... We'll just... I don't know who's going to lose that. That... <laughs> That, that that divvy up but we'll there's see a, there's a very um, you know when Ted's sitting down and he farts it makes a noise and he gets scared and he tries to look at it <laughs> fact and also when you're spooning with Ted on the couch and he's lying on you and you fart he'll get up and he'll look at you like totally offended and then get off the couch and sit somewhere else oh, he's the best dog on the planet he really is Ted fart news <laughs> Oh, got it. Okay, that's it. <laughs> Done. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.